Hello, and welcome to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. Welcome you all to the Mornings with Joel CRE podcast. And we're very excited today to have Renata Bell, who is uh, joining us on our podcast. And Renata, how are you doing this morning? It's really good to see you. Oh, I'm wonderful. And it's great to see you too. Thank you so much for having me today. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, we were talking a little bit offline about how um, your story has kind of come together and it's really, really been impressive. I mean, you know, you can kind of identify a person who's a rising star. And it's like, man, how did they get from A to B? And, and you're doing so many things and, and all the, the media and the press and so many other things that you're doing. It's just been fantastic. So uh, I tell you what, if you can, just take a minute, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and then uh, we'll go into a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, everyone, I'm Renata Bell. I work as a tenant representation broker with Cushman and Wakefield. I do dabble on the landlord side of things every now and again, you know, when the client requires. Mm -hmm. I am the wife of two amazing kids, a 16-year-old son and 11-year-old daughter going on 30. (laughs) Very proud of them. Married to Chris Bell, uh, Mr. DeCab, also (laughs) a graduate of Project and, you know, we're a, a regular commercial real estate family and just really out here in the world to create legacy, uh, not only for our family, but for our community. So that's that's me. All right. All right. But I got to tell you, you can't start off the show lying because there's no way in the world you got a 16 year old son. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> Look about 25. I mean, come on. Uh, I'm going to take that compliment and run with it. (laughs) Going with it. But yes, my baby's 16 and he's actually heading to Princeton this summer for a program that he got himself in. And he also got himself a full ride to Morehouse. So he's got options, which is what we always want. Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. That's what I always preach to my boys. You got to have options, right? You got to have options. Yeah. So that's fantastic. So I mean, I appreciate this because um, you, you weren't always, I guess you could say this, this star in the industry. I know you were um, at one point in time uh, just processing mortgage loans for a, a company here in Atlanta. Tell me, you know, not so much about the processing, but how did you make that jump? Obviously, you had a degree of vision. And I know you had a little time there when you did something else, but uh, how did this all come together? Can you give us a little background on that? Sure. Um, it was really, I've had a really interesting journey. Yes. Yeah, so when my, when I was in college, my mother passed in my junior year oh. and um, I'm from St. Louis, uh, Missouri originally. And it just, I'm still living in her house and it just got to a point to where it, it wasn't mentally healthy for me to stay there. So ultimately um, I kind of made a knee jerk decision and I decided to pack everything in my, in my car. That could fit. I left the rest. I did not tell my family and friends that I was leaving because I knew that they would try to stop me. <laughs> so the next day, I literally just packed my big old TV. I had one of those big tube TVs back then and uh-huh. took up the whole front seat, uh-huh. <laughs> packed that up, had my dog, and I put myself in, in the rest of myself in the back seat and just took my first solo road trip and found myself here in Atlanta. My aunt was working for a mortgage company at the time, processing residential loans. And 
I joined forces with her. And when I came down, then it prompted her to start her own business. So that's where I really, really got my first look at the whole leasing process. And so we were just basically two women on a mission. We found the office space, got everything incorporated. And, you know, it murder was what she wrote after that, you know. So it was a beautiful thing. And fast forward 2008, things got a little weird. Economy was terrible. The loan products that were coming out were crazy. Mm-hmm. They had this one loan product called a Ninja Loan, and it, it has recently resurfaced. It's called a different name, but it was no income, no job, no asset. So essentially, anybody could get a loan without any type of yeah. I'm like no verification whatsoever. Here you go, you get a loan, and you get a loan. You know, pulling an Oprah out here, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, and ultimately, um, that was my signal to get out because I knew it was already going downhill, but I knew it was going to, it was going to crash. And sure enough, it did. And so um, I did take a a step away from the industry for a moment. And I started a couple of businesses. I had a talent agency and a photography company did very well internationally and domestically published. It it was great. It was a great stint, but you know, you kind of hit a ceiling and it's kind of like, well, where do you, where do you go from there? So, um, had a, a a one night digital exhibition at, at the Louvre and I, I didn't know what else I could possibly do from that point. So Chris and I, my husband, we've always had a love of real estates. He went into project reap. So while he was in the program, one evening he came home full of energy and typically he would come home just tired, you know, because you do a whole work day and then you go to class, you're, you're exhausted. But this particular evening, he was just full of vigor and just excitement. And long story short, it was the time that he spoke, or I'm sorry, that T. Dallas Smith, Smith spoke at the class and he told me all about him. And I was like, huh, interesting. I've never heard of this guy. And let me let me learn a little more about him. And he tells me, he's like, hey, he wrote a book. Well, let me see that book. So I picked it up. I couldn't put the book down. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. I want to do tenant rep brokerage. Um, it was just basically contract negotiation. And that's all I ever really did in my whole working career. So it made sense. And, you know, the returns were great. <laughs> so I dived in. Yeah. Next day, signed up to get my license. Fast forward. I asked Chris, like, so I'm halfway through my classes and I asked Chris, I'm like, hey, I know that you know Dallas. He's like, I don't really know him like that. I'm like, well, you know him enough. I need you to set up the meeting. (laughs) So I basically forced him to set up this meeting and I told him, I was like, listen, don't tell, don't tell them that I'm coming because they're going to wonder why you're bringing your wife to this meeting. And so he didn't. And so I just showed up. And of course they were looking at me like, why is your your wife here? I was doing, I was doing Intel. I needed to know what was going on. I needed to understand what the energy was because at the time I still had my businesses. If I was going to do commercial real estate, I was going to do it hundred percent. I didn't want to, you know, have any of it. So it made sense to me. It seemed like a family and I just wanted to be a part of that. So Fast forward, got my license. Then I reached out to Dallas. I sent him a message on LinkedIn, I think it was. And I was like, hey, I want to run something by you right quick. Do you have some time? He's like, sure. Set up some time with my my assistant and and she'll get you on the calendars. I'm like, great. So even, even going through that process, I didn't want them to know what I was doing. It was going to be an interview, but I didn't want them to say no. 
so I didn't tell them. So even when I'm setting up the appointment with his assistant, I mean, she's grilling me. What is this all about? Dot, 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 dot. And I'm just dancing. <laughs> I'm, dancing. <laughs> I'm just dancing. I'm trying to figure out how to get past her. And so ultimately, I was able to give enough information for her to go ahead and put me on the calendar and so it was funny um during this time I had hurt my hip but I refused to not walk in there in my stilettos like that was going down so I did I put my suit on I put my stilettos on and I kind of hobbled down the hallway shook Dallas's hand I was like listen because he again remember he does not know what this is about I'm like listen I want to be a part of your team and this is why you need me and he just looked at me perplexed. <laughs> I know he was not oh, expecting really? any of that. <laughs> he wasn't expecting any of that. And I was so nervous. I was shaking in my stilettos. But in my mind, I was like, you know, if I can convince him that I can do this, then I can do this. Right. You know, so basically Dallas was, was my first sell. Mm. And um, it was supposed to be a 30-minute meeting. Uh, I had stalked him, so I knew all the stuff that he liked. So I had my my traditional resume, but I also had created a digital resume just to take some of the skills that I've used in in my different careers and show him how they were transferable into, you know, commercial real estate and brokerage specifically. And ultimately, you know, that 30 minute meeting turned into a two hour meeting, which was great. And then um, I wobbled back, you know, to my car after that. And waited a long three months <laughs> before <laughs> I heard anything else. Ultimately, I was just, I, I kept, Dallas always preaches, you know, half the half of the uh, the battle is just showing up. So I'm like, well, let me just show up. So I just yeah. kept showing up to stuff. And um, the day that they hired me, I actually was at one of their events. And I didn't know it was one of their events. It was just a commercial real estate event. So I was going to be in the space. They saw me there and it was a panel discussion. Actually, it was a fireside chat at um, ACBR. And I was like, okay, so I'm in here. They're in here. I have to ask a question. So I dug deep. (laughs) I don't even know if the question was compelling in any way, but I knew I had to ask something. And so I did. And then maybe in maybe two hours, an hour or two after that, I got a call from both Dallas and Dexter. And I thought it was so funny. I was like, oh, we're doing three-way. I was like, I haven't done that since <laughs> high school. <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> let's do it. What's up, guys? And so ultimately, that's when they offered me the position. And that is how I found myself in commercial real estate. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, that's something. You know, Dexter's a buddy of mine. And it's, it's amazing how he tells that story, how even that business got started. You know, and it's and it's incredible. And you know, I, I want to really highlight a couple things that you said that I thought was very, very interesting. You mentioned that wherever they you knew they were going to be at, you were there. So it it was a matter of getting yourself out there, getting yourself mm-hmm. seen, getting your, yourself in front of folks, and and letting them know that hey, you're basically part of the community. And right. so you know, I'm I'm one like you. You know, I'm I'm part of this as well, part of this family. So that was actually a very good point. And then also asking questions. So it's not like you're lost in a room. You basically stood up and said, hey, everybody, here I am. I'm here. And they're like, oh, yeah, is that, that crazy girl that's been stalking me, right? Yes. <laughs> so it all worked out. Oh, man, that is crazy. Boy, oh, boy. So how things progressed from there? What was, like, the next thing that kind of transpired? Oh, let me tell you, in my mind, 
I've, I've never failed at anything that I put any real intention and effort behind. Mm-hmm. So I came, I came out the gate hot, Joel. I had five deals in the pipeline. Uh, I, I got this and that going on. And uh, every single one died. Every single deal just poof, vanished, died. <laughs> <laughs> I was devastated. I was, I mean, cause it was just like dominoes, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. I realized that, um, you know, this industry is is not for the faint-hearted at all. And this was this was going to be my my greatest challenge. I've always been an overachiever basically at everything that I did, but this industry sat me on my butt, let me tell you. Um and it still does every day. But the the rewards outweigh all the crap you know, that you have to deal with. So it was tough. It was really, really tough. When they tell you it takes, you know, three to five years to get acclimated in, in your career, it does not matter who you are, whether nepotism is involved or not. You, you're you in a struggle and it's you better find a sponsor. Somebody's going to help you financially during that time, find a part-time job, something like that, because it's it's going to be tough. And my my situation was no different than everyone else who got into brokerage. So it was rough. It was really rough. But one thing that I've always had is stick to itness. Mm-hmm. And I just I just don't give up. I don't give up. Failure's not an option. And I was doing this for more than me. It was not only for me, it's for my my kids' legacy and my community. So I didn't want to let them down and I refuse to let them down. So I'm still here. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. No, no, good point. Good point. Now you mentioned you do it for the community as well. And I, that's a very interesting point. I mean, you know, if you're in tenant rep and you're you're doing brokerage and whatnot, what does that have to do with the community? Why do, do you feel that that is part of your mission, you know, to do this for the community? I mean, make the connection for me between the two. Sure. So <laughs> I actually come from a long line of Black Panthers. So, you know, it's oh, always, no. I do, I'll be honest with you, I do. So it's always been, you know, community has always been first and foremost mm-hmm. in my family, you know, giving back, even when we didn't have anything, you know, I came from the gutter, we didn't have anything, you know, we would go without lights and electricity and all of that stuff, but that never meant that we weren't going to go on Saturday to volunteer. That didn't, that never stopped, you know, that didn't mean that we weren't going to raise money for another family. We were always going to do that. So it was just very, very important for me to give back. And when I got into the industry, you know, I was like a babe in the world. I I really didn't understand all of the disparities that exist. I had no idea. It was just simply, I, I looked at it as an opportunity to create legacy, period, point blank. But when I got in, you know, I was fortunate to be at an all black shop. So it allowed me to transition a little, there was just kind of a, a buffer, if you will, a smoother transition into this industry in, in terms of opportunity. Mm-hmm. But I was still, you know, basically only woman there. So there were still barriers for sure. And the more I got involved in the industry and dealing with, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm no stranger to racist behavior. You know, that certainly has happened. And I just realized it was more than I anticipated, you know, I'm from the Midwest. So the racism in the South is a whole other ball game that I just had not, never experienced before. And I'm like, man, this is real. This is real. I'm like, okay. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, being in the, in the space and in the place and being visible, you're solo dolo. Like it's a lot of times it's just you in the room, you know, who looks like us. And it, 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 it was tough. It was really tough. And I, what I wanted to create was a safe place. 
how can I do that? How can I create a safe place? Because I'm like, I know I'm not the only one out here struggling in these streets. Like, that's impossible. But I was so new in my career to where I didn't really have, you know, I didn't have enough swag, if you will, enough bandwidth and influence to make something like this happen. It didn't mean that I didn't write the business plan. I wrote the business plan. I slid that business plan over to anybody I possibly could think of that would read it. But, you know, ultimately I had to table it for a while. And it <laughs> it's funny. That's how Arab, when Arab came to me, it made a lot of sense because I'm like, wow, I had already written a business plan for this, you know, years ago at the top of my career. So now the time is right to do this. And I have um, a platform that I can actually use to, to propel it. So that's kind of where the connection with community comes into play. It's just watching that struggle and then seeing my people just getting barred from here and barred from there, doors closed. And like I said, at the time, I didn't have a lot of bandwidth, a lot of influence, but I used every little bit that I had to make a change. And so that's, it's just very important. And I want to see more of us in this industry and whatever I need to do to make that happen. I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you making that connection. If you can't tell us what is a rep for those who are listening that may not be familiar with it, you know, what exactly is it and how does it benefit the community and the things you were just talking about? Absolutely. I'm so happy to share. AREP, um, so near and dear to me. So AREP stands for African-American Real Estate Professionals, and I'm president of the Atlanta chapter. And it's, it's such a treat. It's a true labor of love, but we have an amazing board. And it's just it's just a beautiful thing that's unfolding here in Atlanta. We haven't been around. The Atlanta chapter hasn't been around for a full year yet. We're coming up on our one-year birthday very, very soon, this month, in fact. Mm-hmm. So um, that's very exciting to see all of the progress that we made in a short time, but we are the Atlanta chapter, as I mentioned, and the company, well, the organization has been around for the past 26 years, 26, 27 years. They're headquartered in DC and there's another large chapter out of LA and, you know, Atlanta is on its way, you know, to hit that number three spot. We're so excited about it. And the organization, and, you know, initially it was just a networking organization just to create, you know, a sense of community for us in this industry so we can communicate and share deals, share best practices, offer mentorship, things like that. And the Atlanta chapter, you know, we've we were very intentional about giving back, not only nurturing our people in this industry, but also giving back to our community. Mm-hmm. And so Basically, from January up until May, you know, we focus on on the grownups in the industry and making sure that they have the resources that they need and the networking events and opportunities. And then from May up until September, we focus on the kids, you know, so we will be doing some we have some amazing partnerships that we are lining up right now. It's so exciting. And ultimately, AREP ACL has positioned itself to start exposing the youth starting from sixth grade all the way throughout the rest of their school career. So it's wonderful. We're just adding the commercial real estate element to the curriculum. And in some of these schools, we're starting small, you know, but in some of these schools so they can know about it. Because I just I just think about myself, you know, I got in the game late. Mm-hmm. Where would I be at today? Where would you be at today yeah. if you yeah. knew about this in the sixth grade? You'd yeah, be a multi-billionaire by now, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or a billionaire, who knows, you know? But it would you'd be there. And having, like, for my kids, it's second nature. You know, it's second nature. And I'm just so excited to see what they turn into in the future because I've basically 
shoved commercial real estate down their throats at every moment that I possibly can. And, you know, um, my son, you know, I, I taught him how to cold call, you know, all of these when he was 13. So he could be very comfortable with it. Now that boy can, he can take on a cold call like it's nothing. So if he's raising money for school or, or his community, whatever he's doing, it's, it's, it's not a problem. So these are, you know, skills that are necessary for our kids, but unfortunately a lot of us are not exposed to it and we're here to make a change. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. And one thing that I, I noticed you guys have opened up the um, minority advancement fund. What's that all about? You know, for our listeners, uh, what exactly is that and how has that benefit the community? Sure. So we are working on it's it's still in a draft form, but we're working on a program called the CRE Future Leaders Program. And ultimately, it's a pathway that tracks now that we have this this uh, connection with this organization called Reach for Excellence. We're able to expose the kids from you know sixth grade on. Initially, we're going to start with high school, but just adding the commercial real estate curriculum to what is already in place so they can be exposed. Mm-hmm. But what happens is it's, it's this pathway and there are just these different points and touches that you'll make throughout your, your school career. And then even when you get out of college and at the end of that pathway, that's when the minority advancement fund comes into play because the reality of the situation is our industry is expensive. The industry itself is a barrier to entry. You know, it's very expensive. And if you don't have the money to pay for an organization or say you want to get your CCIM, if you don't have the money for that, we want to create a fund that will allow Mm -hmm. people that look like yourself and myself to stay. We don't want finances to be the problem as why is that the reason you leave? Because you can't come up with $2,000, you know, to pay for this designation that you know you need and we know you need. So let's pool our resources together and help these kids out. So that's what it's about. It's about bringing the next the next generation of commercial minority commercial real estate leaders into the industry and keeping them here. So the fund is new. It is not well-funded at all, but we are certainly, (laughs) it's not, but it doesn't mean that it won't be, you know, so we are, we're going to be very intentional about making sure that that funding is there. And let me tell you, people are already reaching out about it. They're all, you know, we get, we get the side notes and the emails like, Hey, I need some help here. Okay, cool. Duly noted. We're working on it. Let's, let's get it together. So if anybody out there in the audience is interested in helping us with this initiative, do not hesitate to reach out because we are all about giving back and and elevating and keeping minority talent. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point because you know, that's really the, the foundational level. If you can't get the education that you need to even really get in the business, then you have to try to get hired somewhere or, I mean, it just becomes really, really difficult. And as you mentioned, even if you get hired, you got a two to three year learning curve just to understand the terminology and the way the numbers work and everything else. So it can be very, very challenging. So I, I take my hat off to uh, your efforts and trying to put that together. You know, it was amazing. I've, I've heard of AREP for years, known about them, and it, it just stunned me that it hasn't been here in Atlanta until eight, nine months ago. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I was blown away by that. Same. I didn't understand. This is the black mecca. Like, how how does that not exist? You know, and it's so funny because even when it was positioned to me to take on this role, I still in my heart and in my mind, I'm like, there has to be 
there has to be an organization here. Maybe, maybe I haven't dug deep enough. Maybe I just don't know. And so I did, I started digging even deeper and I'm like, there's nothing, there's nothing, unfortunately. So I was like, all right, because I'm looking for (laughs) at this stage, uh, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel because if there's something already in place, maybe we just take that and bolster it and just add some, some more to it. So it's bigger and better, but there was nothing. There was nothing. So, yeah, I mean, and I'll tell you, it, it it never, it never, I never had to be me. I didn't, I actually identified someone who's on our board. I would love for her to be the face of this whole thing, but she doesn't have bandwidth, <laughs> you know, so. I'm just basically answering the call of duty because this is so needed. And with the reception that the organization has received, I mean, we're not a year old yet. And we've got you know upwards of 150 members. We've had four events this year. Every single one was sold out. Wow. I mean, the community's asking for it. So I'm just so happy to be able to work with these amazing people on my board and, and in the community to provide this. And I mean, this is literally for us, by us. And we're, and it's so funny when we put on events to date, we have not started on time for anything. But what's beautiful is that our guests come and they roll up their sleeves and they help us, you know, even though they're just there for for the fun, they, they come and they help us get it together. So um, when I tell you the sense of community is real, it's real. It's like, it's like having a block party every time we put on an event, you know, the, the people just come and, and they chip in, pitch in and, and they're happy to do it. That's the really cool thing. They're happy to do it. So yeah. it's a beautiful situation, Joel. I know it's, it's amazing. It's um. You know, they, they realize the vision, and so they're happy to be part of it, which is it's really amazing. So that's a great thing. Let, let me ask you this. Where would you want to see a rep, um, let's say, in five years? I mean, well, what's kind of your vision for the organization at that point? So looking forward. Oh, I got big goals, big dreams for this organization. <laughs> Huge. You know, I definitely want us to have some real estate. Okay. I want us to be able to, you know, purchase a building and open it up to our community and, and be able to provide those resources. You know, I, I want us to have that. And I think that it, as long as we keep on this trajectory and continue to facilitate, you know, economic mobility in our community, I think it can happen. And I also think that, you know, one day, maybe not in five years, but one day we, we will, we will be, you know, like your United Way, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like we have, we have the opportunity and capability to make it happen. It's just, it's just time. We just need some time and some some support because this whole thing is grassroots. Like we pool our resources <laughs> to make these events happen. We all come together and we're just like, all right, I'm going to chip in here, chip in. You know, so that's how we do it. But I think um, one day and I, and I would like to say sooner than later, one day, you know, we'll get to that level to where we're a household name, you know, and we can make a greater impact in our community because ultimately that's the end goal. Oh, that sounds good. You've already got some good sponsors that have lined up to support you, so that's fantastic. Yes. So you're, headed <laughs> you're headed that way, without a doubt. So let, let me ask this, and, and you know, statistics are, they kind of go back and forth, but from your knowledge, what is the percentage of minorities that are in the commercial real estate space at this point in time? Do you have any data on that? Sure. So about six years ago was 1.3%, and we have reached 2%. 1.3. Really? But now we're at 2%. Is that, just, is that tenant rep or is that the whole industry or? Whole industry. Really? 
Yeah, yeah. like three percent, but still, I mean, those those are such inconsequential, minuscule numbers. It's, it's unbelievable. So it really is. It, it's unbelievable, and it's it's very frustrating because. So say say companies become, you know, and, and some of them are, you know, becoming really intentional about hiring minority talent. And I'll speak to brokerage specifically because that's what I do. Right. But okay, so say you bring somebody in fresh out of college or maybe fresh out of a different industry like I, I came out of, and you bring them into this industry, you do them a disservice when you don't educate them and when you don't tell them when they're doing the wrong thing. Even when you tell them that they're doing the wrong thing, make sure that you preface everything with the right thing you know so there's a grooming issue Mm -hmm. that is there and I think a big part of that grooming issue is a lack of connectivity and relatability between the person that is getting groomed and the person who's doing the grooming and it's it's tough because not to say that it doesn't exist you know I've, I've been fortunate to be in front of some amazing people who look like me who don't look like me different perspectives, you know, I'm very direct. So when I tell you, like, I want to construct criticism, like give it to me, grab me by the back of my shirt, pull me back. No, we're not. Don't do that. You know, tell me about myself. I'm here for it. But I don't think enough of that is happening. In an ideal world, if someone gets hired on to be a, a broker, and I'm, I'll just use myself as an example, since we're, we're talking about this, if I was completely green, say coming into a Cushman and Wakefield, what would be ideal was if someone, you know, I've had a mentor or two, someone who who's a veteran in the game, and then maybe someone who's closer to my age, but, you know, has, has a little more experience than me. Maybe they've been in the game five or seven years or something like that. If I had two of those spectrums available to me, that would be extremely awesome. And not only, not only just to have them for support, but with the, with the elder, you know, the uh, season broker, mm-hmm. let, let the new person watch you. They don't necessarily have to be a part of that transaction, but let them be that fly on the wall so they can, and not just one deal, a couple of deals, you know, just to let them see how you move, yeah. how do you transact, you know, so they can just soak that in and then do the same thing with the younger broker as well. How do you transact? And then let's talk about business development practices. Okay. What do you do? What works for you? And have that open dialogue. And then after you've tried those things, okay, this isn't working for me and this isn't working for me. Cause what will happen then is it opens up room for conversation mm-hmm. so you can create relatability. Because when Renata makes a cold call, nine times out of 10, Bill on the other end is like, I, I know good and well, this is a sales call because I don't know a Renata. We don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't run in the same circles, right, okay? Right, right. We do not, you know, because I mean, if, for instance, you know, I, when I do cold call, I'm RS because Bill on the other line will take my call because he doesn't, he doesn't know RS, but he might know yeah, RS. Yeah. Um, there's that barrier is kind of- Exactly. You got to be really intentional because at the end of the day, yes, we deal with a lot of crap, you know, in the industry mm-hmm. as black people and, and then just being new. I mean, you deal with sexism, you deal with ageism, you deal with racism. You got a whole bunch of things going on in the world, not even just our industry in the world. So you have to figure out how you're going to deal with that. As I said, I was a babe coming into this industry. I did not realize all of the barriers, mm-hmm. but once I did realize them, I couldn't get mad about how I was treated. I mean, obviously it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. But at the same time, I chose this industry. So this comes along with it. So you got to kind of get your mindset right. Like, all right, that guy was a jerk. All right, 
that lady was racist. So what? Does that does that pay you? No, it yeah. doesn't. So yeah. get on the next call. Pick up the next phone, a phone call, dial the next number, send out the next email, go to the next event and just let it go. Just hold on to it, you know, get through your day and even come home and cry about it later on. Right. But, you know, these, these are these are things that are not necessarily communicated, mm-hmm. you know, when minority talent starts. And so they're left lost, just sitting at the desk in the office, wondering what to do, who to call, what to say. What does your cold call look like? Does anybody ever show you, you know, things like that. And those things, I think sometimes are, it's kind of taken for granted in, you know, the white community, because you, you see, you see the nurturing and you see, you know, some of the new talent, you know, who doesn't look like you getting poured into, but that's because there's a level of relatability already between the two people who are sitting there in front of you. So as black people, we have to be extremely intentional about creating opportunities for them to relate to us. and. It's unfortunate, you know, that the burden does lie with us, but it does. And it also is what it is. So you either get with the program or you don't. Do you yeah. want to be in this industry? Okay, you got to figure it out. You got to figure it out because um, nothing is going to be handed to you. And you're going to have to fight for this because this industry is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure out how to navigate navigate those waters and, and just be really intentional about it. Yeah. And demand yeah. for what you want. Demand what you won't ask for it. Because <laughs> no yeah. one's gonna... yeah. well, you don't get what you don't ask for, right? <laughs> exactly. My dad always said closed mouths don't get fed. So yeah. open your mouth up. <laughs> what you want. Yeah. You know, I, I know yeah. also just the, the mindset of not letting other people stand between you and your money. Right. Or, or what you want to accomplish for your own life. It doesn't even have to be money. But if you've got, like you said, we're going to run across those people that are jerks out there in the industry that don't want to work with you for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, if you got something you want to accomplish for your family, you got to just forge ahead, right? Because they're not the, the only person on the earth, you know, and there shouldn't be one person that just totally destroys all your visions and aspirations. So I completely Absolutely. agree with that. Yeah, very good point. Let me do this also where we're kind of getting to the uh, halfway point. I want to go ahead and start opening up the uh, discussion to our guests so you can answer questions and uh, put those in the chat or either you can raise your virtual hand we will certainly get to you at that point in time and while we're waiting on some more of those to come in and i'll address some of these other questions that are sitting here in a minute let me i just wanted to uh give you you know accreditation and admiration on some of the things that you recently accomplished you hit the uh the seven and the seven and i have no clue i or idea what that is so tell us what that's all about because obviously it's an award for something so So seven under seven is an award that Cushman and Wakefield gives to the people that they identify within the company who are seven years or less in the industry. And they only chose seven people and they have considered us the next leaders of Cushman and Wakefield. So um, it was pretty awesome experience. I, (laughs) I remember sending in my information. I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but you know, cause I'm new to the company and I didn't really know if it was going to work, but it did got that call. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Wow. But it's, it's pretty phenomenal because what it did was it opened up my network even more. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have our industry, but within Cushman and Wakefield, there's a whole other community and there's very various levels to it as well. Mm-hmm. And Long story short, as a result of that, our 
president and CEO, um, Andrew McDonald, is you know one of my mentors now, and he even wrote one of my recommendation letters to get into the UGA business program. So I'll, I'll be getting my my MBA. So he wrote a glowing wow. <laughs> him and our DE and I business developer person Alex Swain. He also wrote one too. So I um, had two really glowing recommendations, but uh, and it all came as a result of, of winning the award. It just really expanded my network um, on a whole other level. So it's been pretty, pretty awesome. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> and obviously you put the work in to even be recognized to have something to talk about. So that's a beautiful thing, you know, and I wanted to congratulate you also. I understand you made the uh, Forbes Business Council. No, so it was... <laughs> So as someone who's on the Forbes Business Council who added me to a list uh, called CRE Summit Top Influencers List. So I made it last year. I think I was I think I was like number 10 or something like that. But, you know, this year to kind of push me up a little further and it's been great. You know, the the recognition has been awesome. And that that actually it was pretty cool because one of my mentors who is on the council actually uh you know, looked out for me and, <laughs> you know, dropped my name in the hat. So again, it's, it's, it's your network and, you know, people being transparent about what you're doing and what your goals are and where you want to be at. You know, I've always had lofty goals and sometimes I think some people have laughed at them because they didn't believe in them, but literally everything that I said I was going to accomplish, I have. So I got a, I got a laundry list yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're all going to happen. <laughs> No, you're doing good. And I could go on and on. I'm not even going to mention all of them. But, uh, you know, it's been very impressive for, for being new in the industry and to uh, have that recognition. So let's go into a couple of these questions from uh, Thea Redwine, because this plays into some of it. Uh, she mentions, uh, have any tips as to how to integrate the local organizations outside of always being the low-level volunteer? What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, because I, obviously, I guess that could get a little tiring just being a low-level volunteer all the time. What tips do you have uh, for Theodore in, in this situation? Yeah, I mean, the, the I don't want to say low-level volunteering, but I do understand, you know, where you're coming from. I don't, honestly, I don't do that much of the, you know, low-level volunteering. I, I'm, I'm very intentional about making sure it's high-level. Mm-hmm. So, what I've always done is before I join any organization, I, I, I always identify who the leaders are. Who are they? I connect with them on LinkedIn. I make sure that I send a message or an email or both if they haven't responded to one of them. Or I'll just pick up the phone and call them like, hey, I'm a new member and I'm interested in learning how I can best integrate myself and just creating a, a I'm, I'm really big on one-on-one connections, mm-hmm. you know, and just creating those connections. Is it time consuming? Yes. It's totally time consuming, but you're making real connections with real people who are going to look out for you in the future. And what I do is once I find the areas of need, I figure out how can I best integrate into that? You know, um, I'll get, I use crew as an example. I was a member of crew for three years and I was the crew cheerleader. Let me just tell you, but that's literally what I did before I dived in. I, I reached out to some folks on LinkedIn and um, I connected with everybody that had crew in their profile. And I ended up, you know, I mean, it was kind of a shotgun approach. And then I ended up finding the right target. And that person basically just took me under their wings. Denise Ming, shout out to you if you're listening, (laughs) took me under her wing. And, you know, that was pretty much where it went from there. I tried a different, a few different committees that didn't necessarily fit 
for me. Then I found one that did. And I just, I gave, I gave, I gave, before I asked for anything, I gave, I'm like, okay, well, these are skills that I have that could help this committee be better. And so I found myself on the prospective members committee and I just served and just kept giving. We used to, they used to host the events at, you know, conference rooms and there would be like maybe 15 people show up or what have you. By the time I was done, we would have upwards of a hundred folks at every event. And even the last one I did, it was a hundred percent sponsored. So I was able to give them their budget back. (laughs) Y'all can use that for something else, you know? So that's, that's basically what I do. I need to identify who the decision makers are, who the influencers are and make sure that I know them. And, and and be transparent with who you are. I've said that before, but like, don't sugarcoat who you are. Don't try to be something that you're not or, or what you think the audience wants you to be because it's not, it's not going to translate. We're yeah. going to know, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah. and it's not going to work out for you. What will happen is you end up spinning your wheels and then you just end up being, you know, continuing to be the quote unquote low level volunteer because that's where they'll, they'll put you. So, you yeah. know, just be very intentional. Like I'm interested in a leadership position. What is the pathway for that? Mm. Just ask for it. Close yeah, my eyes. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You know, one thing that certainly helps you as well is your, your energy is incredible. I mean, <laughs> just spend a few minutes with you. It's like, wow, this amazing girl. She's just <laughs> bubbling over and about to burst. I mean, it's just. Thank you. Oh, I mean, it's, it's exceptional because it's, it's, it's your own natural energy is like pushing you forward, you know, and, and. It's like, who wants to close the door on someone with so much energy and excitement about what they're doing? So that's a, it's a beautiful thing. So keep it up. That That's a, a, a mentor or an example to look at, I, I should say, you know, for someone that uh, does want to do more in the business. But like you said, you got to be yourself. But it's clear that yourself is one of energy and, and excitement and things of that sort. So that's, that's really good. So, Well, I thank you because I thought I was reeling it in this morning, but I guess not. No, no, you're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing fantastic. So that's really good. Um, she had another question here. I just want to tap on this right quick. Any suggestions as to how to obtain a mentor of a different race? Uh, and there's a lot that could be said about that, but how would you answer that, Renata? Well, what thoughts do you have on that? Don't get your feelings hurt. That's the best thing. Don't get your feelings hurt. Find a list. It's funny. Recently, I had a, I had an interaction with a young lady who who just joined ARAP and she has a mentor um, that's not necessarily really giving her everything that she needs. But what he did give her was a list from Atlanta Business Chronicle of people that she should know. And I mean, I understand where she's coming from and she she wanted a little more, maybe um a virtual introduction or something like that. But to me, I look at that as an opportunity. I'm like, well, this is a list that I did not have before. Mm-hmm. So now all I got to do is find everybody's email addresses, phone numbers, or what have you, and put them on a drip campaign. Yeah. And don't get your feelings hurt. If they don't respond, don't get your feelings hurt. You know, So use your mentor. If, if he or she is not willing to make that virtual introduction, do it yourself. Copy them on it too. Mm-hmm. Hey, so and so, my mentor, so and so, said that I should reach out to you. Have them copy, put, make them accountable. <laughs> Have them copied on that email. And mm-hmm. if and if no one responds, call your mentor. Like, hey, I reached out to everybody that you said. Dot 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 you know, and so forth. And so that, and that's when you have a mentor. And I'm just using that as an example of how to get a mentor. Identify who you want to be your mentor. Mm-hmm. That's step one. Who do you want to be your mentor? Because they don't just fall out the sky. None of my mentors 
came to me. I I stalked every single one of them, mm-hmm. continuously sending emails, unanswered texts, all of that, until one day I just broke them. I broke them all the way down. I'm like, this girl is not going anywhere. Damn right. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. So you might as well just have a meeting with me and let's chop it up because I think you're a rock star and I want to learn from you. So that one email that you send out, that one text, that one LinkedIn message, that's not enough. These people are busy. They're busy. They got things going on and they don't know you from a can of paint. And nine times out of 10, they may not have a lot of folks that look like you in their circle. So you have to be the exception. You have to be the one that stands out to them, the one that they're going to give attention to. Just be very, very diligent. Do not give up. And like I said, don't get your feelings hurt. Don't get your feelings hurt. That, that's that's my advice. That's literally what I do, even to this day. Even when I'm prospecting, people ignore me all the time. You said they don't, but they do. People <laughs> ignore me all the time. I get hung up on all the time. I have been cursed out. I'm like, oh, wow, you're having a terrible day. Well, bless you. <laughs> we just keep it moving, you know, so... You just got you just got to push. You got to push and go after what you actually want, and just be very intentional and don't give up and don't get your feelings hurt. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a really really good point because you know a lot of times it's not even racism as to why maybe a mentor of another race doesn't respond. They're just busy people. I mean, yep. you know, yeah, and and I mean even for myself, sometimes there's texts I don't return or whatever, but it's not that I don't like you or don't want to talk to you. I just don't have the time, you know, or. Or there might be some other factors. So that that's very, very good advice to uh to keep in mind. Let's see, Quinn had a question here. Let's jump into that. As a woman of color, uh, it would be great to hear the influence and importance of sponsors, allies, and mentors in your career path and what was offered in exchange for their time and support. Also, how do you make the most of that experience and exposure? Now, Quinn, we went through a lot of that already because you got here late. So, but that's okay. I'm going to let you off the hook. <laughs> but, but, uh, you want to give us a little bit more on that? That would be fantastic. Sure. Yeah. Well, let, let's focus on what's offered in exchange. You know, that's the thing. Like I've always, <laughs> I've always been very intentional about making sure that they know that I appreciate their time and I don't want their time wasted. Mm-hmm. So in exchange with, with my mentors at Cushman, I got to bring them deals. They give me sweat equity and I bring business, you know, so that's, that's where I'm at. And they're, they're helping to, you know, groom me in ways that I, I couldn't have groomed myself because you just don't know what you don't know until you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's in terms of, you know, folks that may not necessarily be in the industry that are mentors to me, all they want is somebody to pick up the phone. Don't send them a text. They're old school. Don't don't send an email. They're not going to respond to you. They have a genuine interest for what is going on with you. But your job is to make sure that you call them, pick up the phone and call them. That's all they're looking for. They want to be a part of your success. So it's up to you to make sure that they are they know what's happening because they're not going to reach out to you. They're not going to they're they're busy. They got stuff to do or they're retired and they ain't worried about it. So. Your job, your give back is to make sure that they know that all of the efforting that they have done, all of the intentional words that they've given to you are actually making a difference in your life. And then once you do get to a place where you have a platform, don't forget about them. You make sure you shout them out. You call out their name like so-and-so did. If you guys follow my LinkedIn, you'll see I'm always shouting people out, Mm -hmm. always, because these people have 
been instrumental in my growth in, in this career and even even personally. So that's your job. You make sure you you give that back. And, and that's part of the exchange because that's all they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. I want to focus out here as well that um, there is an organization called uh, score.org. And, uh, you know, since you were asking about minorities of other race, not minorities, excuse me, individuals of other races becoming mentors, that's what that organization is all about. They can provide a lot of mentors. The majority of them are white and they're um, retired executives and other people. And what happens then is if you get a name or somebody that was at that high level, you can now use that as the bridge to introduce yourself to other people and say, hey, I've been mentored by so-and-so former executive of Coca-Cola, whoever. You know, and they thought it'd be a good idea to reach out to you and so forth and so on. Or I thought it would be a good idea. And what do you think about what they said about so on? You know, just tie it all together so that you can kind of, you know, make that that introduction as opposed to just a cold call. Um, and that might help as well. So very good point being brought out there. Let's see, we got Quinn. He strikes again. He wants to know about the future of A-Rep. You know what, Quinn? I'm happy with you for the podcast. On that <laughs> We've been through that as well. Man, I tell you, see, that's what you get for being late, man. <laughs> so it's all good. It's all good. But yeah, no, we, we covered that actually in a good bit of detail. But no, no we, we're kind of up against the clock here. We're running out of time and we generally record for, you know, about an hour. So tell me, what what do you want us to know or what do you have that you want to share with those ones that are joining AREP? and um, that are coming up behind you in the industry to give them the encouragement to, to move forward and stick with it because uh, it is a tough industry to get out of bed and, and push forward with every single day. you got to have that, that iron stomach. So what, what would you share to uh, or with individuals coming up behind you? Find a community. You're, you're not going to get where you want to be without that. You have to find a community, you know, before... Arab, not to, there were, not to say there weren't communities there, but they were small, were very segmented and displaced a bit in this industry. So there's a place now where we can all come together. Quinn was asking about uh, collaborations. You know, we, we are partnered with some amazing uh, organizations. Uh, one of them is Project Reef. And, you know, we're coming together to, to do the, you know, greater good. Mm-hmm. in the community uh, for us. And it, it's a beautiful thing. So, you know, now that AREP is here and Project Reef has been here, we can come together and create an even bigger community and have an even bigger impact. And so now is the perfect time for a minority to get into commercial real estate in the Atlanta market for sure, because now there's a space, you know, it's, it's, and it's a broad space. So highly, highly encourage someone to seek that out because it's a safe place. You can ask the questions that you may not be comfortable asking in, in, in front of other audiences. Mm-hmm. So find that community. And even if a project reap is not, not for you, find a community, find one, you know, and lean on them. Cause you, you need that. There are people who are going through the same struggle as you. There are people who have um, the same goals as you have. So find those people and they're out there. They're, they're looking for you. <laughs> You guys are looking for each other. So just make sure that you're in the streets, you know, you're in at these events and you're intentional about making sure that people know that you're here and you're here to stay. The community will really find you as long as you're out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I want to second that. And I want to add on to that as well. I, I think back to when it was earlier in my career, you know, there were organizations that I was part of and I was looking at everything, you know, just in full disclosure, kind of as a one to one relationship. Like I joined this, I'll meet somebody, I'll get a deal. I'll join this, I'll meet somebody and get a deal. 
And it, it wasn't happening. And I was like, well, I'm not part of this group. You know, I'm, I'm not getting no business. Let me just leave. And then as I've circled back over the years, what I've found is that I can now reach out to somebody and say, oh, yeah, well, I know, you know, we've known each other now 15 years or so from way back in the day. And it becomes a whole lot easier to form that relationship and get things done now. Or like one of my other buddies, matter of fact, we did a podcast um, on him as well, a guy named uh, Dennis Pemberton. And he had talked about how there's oftentimes there's junior people in these corporations. And now 10, 15 years later, they're senior VPs or executives or some other high level. And the fact that now that you've known them for that period of time, now you get your dividend, you know, from that standpoint. So everything is not just linear, one-to-one, oftentimes. You don't know how all these dots are going to connect. But the point is, if you don't lay the foundation for them to connect, they never will. Which goes back to your point, Renata, about community. You know, you got to do that. You got to be part of things and part of groups. And um, I want to say, I I think you're doing an exceptional job with AREP. You know, just keep it up. Just keep it up. You're doing great work there. So really excited about that. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And this has been wonderful. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, in terms of, you know, finding that community, just to piggyback off what you just said, you know, 15 years, you know, later on, dot, 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 you have staying power. Right. So if you have that staying power, it's it's literally a matter of time. Just don't give up. Find a community to help you stay and help support you because it's it, success is right around the corner. You know, people that I, I met at the very beginning of my career now are just now calling me, but they got deals. You know, and this is after we've had a thousand and ten lunches, you know, over these years. And now they have opportunities for me because they've transitioned over to a new company or they are, you know, starting a new venture or something, you know, or they just heard about somebody in, in, in the industry uh, or I'm sorry, in their industry or whatever they're working on. Maybe it's a nonprofit work and they need they need some office space. So they call me up. So, you know, just make sure that. You're in front of people. You have you focus on having that staying power because it's not going to be easy. But focus on you know creating staying power for yourself, and then use your your social media and your um, your LinkedIn platforms to remind people of what you do on a regular basis. They need to know what you do. Yeah. Need to consistently pop up in the feed. And I'll tell you, as a result of that and mixing a rep into um, it's this prospect I've been hunting down for about three years, and uh-huh. he sent me a message yesterday. Uh, no, the day before yesterday on LinkedIn, and he was like, you know, I have a friend who has an office requirement. Hit her up. You know, she's she's looking to get some space. I'm like, sure, no problem. And he's like, I also want to be involved in AREP and, and your next, you know, community engagement event. I was like, that's not a problem either. You know, so it's full circle. It's full circle. The whole thing. It's a lot of moving parts. But once you figure out what you need to do and how you're going to do it your brand kind of evolves itself and you just have to stick with it. Yeah, yeah, no, very good points. You know, back in the day, we used to do those email drip campaigns and everything else, and they still work. You know, but they the do. beauty of it now is that now it's instead of six degrees of separation, it's so much closer because of social media and other things. So you can really accomplish a lot. And uh, you brought out a lot of good points, a lot of good points. So this, this will be a, a great podcast for many people to listen to and, and learn from. And be educated by uh, because there's a lot of a lot of good nuggets that were brought out this morning as to how you make things happen. And you know, you, you brought up a point as well. You said it was three years that somebody was basically watching you, and that's what happens. People observe 
what you're doing to see if you have staying power, to see if you're really getting things done, to see if you're moving forward. And then after they get comfortable with seeing you for a while, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, let me call that girl. Or situations right. come up where it's like, oh, yeah, who does that? Um, we're going to build right. us. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and it all comes together. So you got you just got to stay out there and, and be consistent and, and uh, you know, focus on what you want to do. So fantastic Absolutely. Well, I certainly appreciate it. Any final comments before we wrap up? I'm just so happy to be here today. I thank you for um, affording me this platform to just talk about myself and the things that I'm passionate about. And ultimately, I just want everybody on this call to know I'm here as a resource. Don't hesitate to reach out to me. Don't feel like all is lost because it's not. It's not. There are people out here that can help you get to where you need to be. You just have to ask. So I'm putting myself out there. Do not hesitate to reach out. I may not have the answers, but nine times out of ten, I know someone who does. So I'll put you in front of the right people. And I just, I just want to see, I just want to see us turn up out here in these streets. That's it. That's all I want. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We're fantastic. We're Renata, again, thank you so much. Uh, tell hubby Chris, I said, what's up? <laughs> I uh, will. <laughs> I know he's listening in. What's up, Chris? <laughs> so, but, um, but this has been fantastic. I appreciate you calling out a little time to be with us. And uh, again, this is the Mornings with Joel CRE podcast. We're excited that you are here listening with us today. And uh, we certainly want to invite you back for another show. Renata, thank you again. And I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you so much. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful week. Go get after it, y'all. There you go. All right. Take care, everyone. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. Please check back weekly to hear our upcoming guests.